0: And welcome back to another episode of the Beyond the Fence podcast. It's been a while, and what better way to get back into the swing of things than with a lovely little I don't even know what the title is going to be Get That India. That's probably what it's going to be called. Uh, joining us for a cricket extravaganza, Ryan O'Connell's back. How are you, mate?
1: I'm good, Ben. How are you, mate? Yeah, what?
0: I don't need you to be the yang to my yin. <laughs> I really don't need you to bring the energy.
1: I'm well. How are you? <laughs>
0: I'm good, mate. It's been a while. The Ashes was the last time we spoke.
1: Oh, wow. Jeez, it's like a year ago. Holy hell. That 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 would make sense. Well, we've spoken offline. It's just the first podcast since then, to be fair. Yeah, but I don't really want
0: people to assume that we associate on a regular basis outside of, you know, what we do here. Not good for your brand? I was thinking more about you than me. <laughs> All right. Let's get on with it. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, we haven't we haven't done our um little mini series this summer. It's been sad. I've missed you. Oh, I missed you too. And I said that without smirking. <laughs> I was. <laughs> um do you, let's start? Because I know we there's not re- there's a bit to get through, but not really of any substance. A bit like the uh the summer of cricket that we've just been born witness to. I feel like we should probably start just by commenting on the state of the the two let's call them teams that we were served up in opposition this summer because that was some pretty dire what six days total of test cricket that we got
1: <laughs> yeah i think the windies were kind of probably as you'd expect or as advertised they haven't been a strong team at the test level for, for some time um for a whole host of reasons so i wasn't expecting much for the windies and my expectations were certainly met I was probably expecting a little bit more from South Africa, to be honest, not just because they came here as the, I think they came here as the second ranked test team uh, in the world or third or ended third. Um, but because, you know, they've got a pretty impressive bowling line. not just on paper, but we've seen a lot of those guys bowl before. And I, I thought their bowling attack might just give us a bit of opposition or a bit of stiff opposition. But unfortunately, whilst the bowling team kind of started strong, I think that the batting was horrific. I, I was not expecting them to be that bad. Uh, after the first test, I kind of dug into the numbers and maybe we've given them too much credit or or thought that they were better than they were. But the numbers actually indicated that we shouldn't have expected too much. I think only Elgar averaged over 30, I think, before coming into this series. So, yeah, the batting let them down. And unfortunately, that started to affect the bowlers who just kind of lost a lot of everything, confidence, momentum, um, fight, will, uh, and they were kind of defeated by the third test, even though they ended up in a draw, but it was more to do with the rain rather than any fighting from South Africa, let's be honest. So, yeah, uh, across the whole summer, um, Windy's and South Africa were both disappointing, but I'd say South Africa even more disappointing because I was expecting a bit more. I'm not sure about you. No, because I've kind of, you know, been fed the narrative that,
0: you know, once you've got the wicket of Elgar, then you're into the tail, and <laughs> okay. that, that kind of bore... Fruit, You know, I think they kept showing the stats since Elgar was made captain and, you know, some people have it and some people don't. And I don't know how much of that is actually correlation versus causation, but if it is um whatever the one of those, I don't know, a difference between the two, but he doesn't have it is what I'm getting at Um as a captain. Because I think he averages like 25 or just something incredibly low as a captain versus over 40 <laughs> Without it, And then in a team where you've got guys in their, like, 30s who have played four tests, like the rest of that batting, I hadn't heard of half the blokes, I'll be dead set, yeah. like Sorel Ovea and whichever class and they dug up out of first class cricket. But yeah, it was not pretty. And I mean, I think at one point, like, Maharaj was outscoring, like, every single batsman. Yeah, that, that play. And he obviously gives it all back with his bowling, but it, that, it's probably not the, it's not, it's a scathing indictment of the state of their their team at the moment.
1: Yeah. I mean, the problem with, I mean, as Elgar I was the most, they're the most accomplished batsman, but the minute you're named captain, other sides do just kind of target you a little bit more. And when you get a side like Australia, who don't just have the intention to target you, but actually have the execution to do it, and you know that their, their bowling plans to him were pretty obvious and became pretty obvious very quickly, and were very successful, and I assume other teams have been the same in terms of targeting him. Um, and the problem is, it's not like one of those examples where okay, but his captaincy is so good that you just kind of put up with the low scores. Um, his captaincy was terrible. Or <laughs> Uh, They didn't have a plan A, let alone a plan B half the time. And Sean Pollock actually mentioned it at some point in the broadcast for the Sydney test is I don't know what the plan is to get the batsmen out here. I I don't know what they're actually intending to do. Their Their tactics were bereft of ideas and the execution was just as bad. So you combine those two things together and his captaincy just lacked any type of imagination, any type of creativity, any type of plan B. And you combine that with him not scoring runs, um, (laughs) he's lucky that if that's the other five batsmen in the side, then there's clearly no one putting pressure on him back in South African first-class cricket though. So he's probably safe as well. Yeah,
0: no, I just found, yeah, he averages 26 in 17 tests as captain with seven fifties and a top score of 96. And then the other um, 65 tests, he averages, yeah, over 40 with 1300s.
1: Yeah, so Captain C has not been to his liking from a batting perspective, but yeah, it's it's not like he's sitting there saying, "But geez, he's such a great tactician that <laughs> it doesn't matter." He was he was bad on both counts. Um, so yeah, yeah, not uh, not didn't really put up much of a fight. The Sappers, unfortunately, no. And I mean,
0: I feel like they're one of those teams that they're just kind of out of sight, out of mind for ninety five percent of the the time and then they tour and then you get a really good barometer at least with teams like India you kind of know where they're at but this this is just me anyway like I don't know I feel like with South Africa I just kind of ignore them and then they tour and then you've learned like I said you'd learn half the team especially from a batting point of view but just in, in general that like there, there are certain teams throughout me watching test cricket where i go well there's two or three guys here that like i'd be nervous bowling like letting them get set and getting an extended period of time because you know they're just hard to get out with south africa i was like like i was i wasn't even joking like it was it was a joke but at the same time yet yeah, like and elga's not even in that good of form but like honestly once he goes it was like they're carrying guys and to to um reference a lot of our conversations last year with our good friend Haseem Hamid. Guys like Bavuma, for instance, just been around forever and he's got, I think, 100? I think it's 200s. 200s? Yeah. So, like, yeah, you just must... These guys just must be absolutely tearing up first class. Maybe, like, first class is just absolutely dire in South Africa because...
1: Uh, yeah. Well, that was part of the narrative over the summer is that I think the IPL have just bought into South Africa's T20 competition yep. uh, and all the franchise franchises in South Africa will now be derivatives of the IPL franchises. And, and a lot of the South African commentators were pretty happy with that because it's the influx of cash that South African cricket needs. Um, The, the money's just not there like it is in, in other countries, like your England and your India and your Australia. Um, so they are struggling to keep some of the players at home and playing Test cricket because a lot of them will, will, will go either travel the world or the T20 circus or circuit. I said circus, but they probably both work. Yeah, um, become whole pack players in county cricket. So they're struggling to hold on to their talent at home, and therefore, if they're not at home, they can't play Test cricket. So they're hoping some of the money that comes in from that IPL. Um, investment into their T20 will be enough to give the players some money, which then keeps them in test quick as well. So that's the strategy. That's the plan. Uh, we'll wait and see whether that just means they travel around the world doing more T20 or not. But yeah, to, to your point, sorry, coming back to, to your point, yeah, the first class system in South Africa is struggling and you can certainly see that from a batting perspective. I mean, I'm trying to again,
0: squirrel around quick info while we talk, um, just to get a list of the run scorers, and well, the top three were Australian, which is not great. And even then, the top three don't include Man of the Series David Warner. So, oh <laughs> no, sorry, what am I? I'm blind. He's second. <laughs>
1: uh, good content.
0: Yeah, <laughs> but let's let's divert to that for a second because we, we complain. We might as well complain about that too. When I was watching the end of day five of Sydney and they were going through the man of the series, like, oh, who are you voting for, blah, blah, blah. I don't think David Warner crossed my mind once.
1: Nor should he. <laughs> I mean, it's one of those things that doesn't really matter. We, you know, we, we have a bit of a laugh and bitch about it now In 12 months' time we'll have forgotten. it. doesn't. In the grand scheme of things, it means absolutely jack shit. But in the heat of the moment or as we respond to to what's happened now, it's farcical. Like he had one score above eleven for the series, and, yeah. and that getting men in the series. it was just ridiculous. Um, and you know, I, as I mentioned to you in our in our group chat offline, you know Travis head's ninety two and that first. Uh, test on an incredibly hard wicket against a fired up South African attack when the series wasn't just alive, it was the first test, which was going to dictate what happens in a three test series. For me, that 92 was way more important than the 200. And then he backed it up with, you know, two more scores above 50 at an incredible strike rate. For me, he was the no brainer as the man of the series. Um, and yep. then if it wasn't him, it still wasn't Warner as second or <laughs> third. You know, Steve Smith scored runs, Pat Cummins bowled well. Stark, Bold, Will, and the two games. But Nathan Lyon, like it's, it was just, yeah, he wouldn't be in the top four to five for the men of the series for me.
0: Yeah, to to your point, I think everyone thought it would be head two hundred and thirteen runs, average of fifty three, strike rate of over a hundred, which is you know unheard of in Test cricket. Three fifties from his four innings, but no hundreds. But you know, it was that consistency of scoring and the speed of scoring. No other Australian batsman made it look anywhere near as easy as he was making it look, especially in that really counter-attacking 92 up in Brisbane.
1: Yeah, well, he's almost the perfect number five at the moment, especially on Australian soil, because he, you know, if you're in a bit of trouble, he comes back and he just brings the game back to you so quickly. And if the batsman ahead of him have done well, then he just you know piles on the runs in quick fashion without taking up too much time before we get to bowl. So you know when you, you score at that pace and that, that quickness, it really does set you up. To do other things in the test match, so it's not just the runs he scored. To your point, well, I mean, what was his strike rate at the end? Did you see? uh, one hundred point nine. That's just incredible in test cricket, especially when you consider that first, that first, um, the first deck was incredibly hard to bat on, and then the third deck was really slow to bat on. So you know, you got two opposites there in terms of batting trickiness decks, uh, and yet he's scoring at such a, an amazing clip. So yeah, he was my obvious man of the series. To be honest, it was w- ludicrous that Warner got it. But as I said, we we probably won't even remember this in six months. Done. I mean, <laughs> but, do you remember the series in the Ashes last year? I can't. Wasn't it head? <laughs> It'd be hilarious if it is. I honestly can't remember. <laughs> so you know, man of the series in cricket is not necessarily the most prestigious kind of award to get. But yeah, it was certainly. I think we'll remember this. We will remember this one, but probably for all the wrong reasons. I gotta
0: look this up now. Um, Warner and Carey both had strike rates in the seventies, but everyone else was kind of hovering. You know, in Test cricket you're usually hovering around that. If you're above fifty, you're doing all right. So, yeah. Yep. Um, you know, that's a, it's a T20 strike rate. How Head was doing? Yeah. Sorry, Amanda. Uh, it was Travis Head. There you go. Yeah, well done. See, so I've just disproven your point. I do remember.
1: <laughs> we had to look it up.
0: <laughs> no, but I at least gave an answer. Um,
1: we're confident though.
0: Do you know who the South African highest run scorer was? Oh, jeez
1: Uh, <laughs> was it Maharaja? No, no,
0: nah, he was actually fourth. The keeper, the keeper, Varane. Yeah, nope,
1: no. Uh, I don't know who was it, Bavuma, because <laughs> he got that 170, the one score of 70. Or 60,
0: 65 was his top. He had, yeah, he got 185 and an average of 37 with 150.
1: I mean, in the way South Africa is going, 37 is not the worst average, to be honest. So, but yeah,
0: um, Verona had 168 at 33, yeah, but in with one less innings, so probably gets around it. Yeah, Urvea was third and then Maharaj fourth, and then yeah, um. Actually, on the South African batting lineup, one player who I was impressed with that I hadn't actually really seen anything of was the uh, Marco Jansen, their all-rounder. Maybe I'm just I've got a thing for tall all-rounders, but
1: um,
0: <laughs> he at least like he's batting seven and usually with not a lot of runs on the board. But I thought, you know, him and Verena had a couple of really nice later-order partnerships that probably saved South Africa from being
1: well more embarrassed than they realistically were. Yeah. One thing he does well is he actually uses his height when he's batting. He gets that front foot quite well forward, particularly against the spinners, um, which not a lot of tall batsmen, particularly all rounders who aren't batsmen or, or, or bowlers, I should say, they don't necessarily use that height to their advantage, um, but he's certainly quite talented. He got you know some nice reverse swing when he was bowling. Uh, I think he's quite young too, right? So I think they've got a bit of a talent yeah, there. Yeah, he's about 22 or so, yeah. yeah so they can probably build around him. I think his spirit got a little bit broken towards the back of the series, if I'm honest. Well, uh, but who, who wouldn't? And having said that, he did back quite well on the last day to, to kind of bat out the draw, so it can't be too yeah. didn't really score many runs. He only scored 77 runs, but... Yeah, it was more his bowling started to lack like a bit zip towards yeah. the end. I felt he comes across
0: as like that bowling around. But yeah, a lot of his innings were really just more about survival than scoring runs because the only strike rate was 29. Yeah. But at that point, he's usually just batting out draws
1: or just batting out time. Yeah, correct. I mean, in that regard, I think he did all right. Yes. Uh, I mean, you know, they have to look for positives. I do agree with you. I think he was one positive along with the bowling of Norky. Is that how we say it? norky yeah. Who I was very impressed with. I know I'm not alone there. I think half of Australia fell in love with him. You know, we tend to, we tend to, I know he, there's a lot of people that don't like him, but I, I think we tend to have a bit of an affinity towards guys that just really give a shit and try, and <laughs> he, he, you know, I know it's a cliche, but he's certainly got a big ticker. I think down in Melbourne, when um he was still bowling 140s in the third session of the day, that was 38 degrees and they'd been out in the field all day. I mean, that's just all effort to still be bowling that quick. Late in the day. Um, but so he's certainly the one player that went, you know, will come to this country or come to Australia with probably his reputation enhanced, if not just, in, not just intact, but enhanced. Not Rabada. No, I thought he was piss weak, to be honest. I thought he was, <laughs> I thought he was dreadful. Having I mean, watched him bowl in South Africa and, th- and thinking he was maybe one of the best bowlers, if not the best bowl in the world when he was on his day, I thought he was dreadful in this series. He just lacked penetration, he lacked accuracy. And he started to wave the white flag way too early for me. I was very disappointed with him. Well, he had eight wickets in
0: one match. So, and he only he had 11 for this. That's three wickets in
1: two other matches.
0: Still, to be fair, Cummers was only leading wicket taker with 12. So,
1: well, he certainly had plenty of bowling too. So, you can't claim that he didn't have enough overs or innings because, anyway, yeah, he only bowled 77 overs. Yeah, because he's a P heart. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Why do I, I feel like he was the captain at one point, or maybe he's uh, captain of limited overs? I'm not sure. Oh right, yeah, maybe. I just I seem to have this this in my head that he's the captain. You know who didn't impress me with their
1: bowling, Maharaj. And, well, I would I'd be worried if he did impress you because he um what? yeah. He, what? I, what? I he, the the fact he's got I think you told him he's got 150 Test wickets. I'm like, who are those 150 people, and why are they not embarrassed? Well, he got one wicket in this series. Do you know who it was? Uh, it was a good wicket. It was Steve Smith caught and bowled.
0: Yes, yeah, it was. I remember this now because um, I was talking to someone and they they commented how it's just it's amazing how every spinner comes to this country, outside of the India tour a few years ago where Ashwin looked unstoppable, um, but every off spinner just comes to this country and looks like an absolute spud. Every touring off spinner because we've seen it with um, Maharaj. We saw it with, who's, who's in England? Oh, well, Jack Leach and whoever their other spinner was that they brought in last year. You know, New Zealand when they toured with Santner and Sodi yeah. it's just, you know, 4-20 and 20 all day. <laughs> um, probably like the last finger spinner that actually looked half decent here that toured was Graham Swan in the 2013 Ashes and we still forced him to retire halfway through.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. He didn't look too good in that particular series. He did in series before that, but yes, our spinners do regularly come here and struggle. Um, they can't really get their lines right and can't adjust the bounce either. Um, and Australians just love slapping ordinary off spinners out of the attack when they play down under. But yeah, one one wicket, two hundred
0: and sixty runs conceded <laughs> for the series.
1: That um, good? That doesn't
0: seem good. Well, he bowled four maidens from his 68.5 overs.
1: <laughs> Incredible.
0: Robata only bowled six maidens, to be fair.
1: Yeah.
0: Nokia bowled eight.
1: <laughs> yeah, but Nokia is always going to go for a few runs because he, he bowls so wholeheartedly. But anyway, I,
0: I could spend all day talking about how rubbish Maharaj was. <laughs> Let's move on to actually, I wanted to talk about the Sydney test briefly because. We said this last year, and I think we even discussed the possibility of moving it time-wise, swapping it with Brisbane. But I don't know if you were shocked by the rain that came, but it rained again.
1: No, as a I think I've been a SDG member for about 16 years, so I've uh, flushed plenty of membership money down the drain by uh, <laughs> days on cricket. I, I wasn't shocked that it rained. Um, I think at some point you can't ignore a pattern, and there's a certain pattern here that in the first week um, of January every year it rains in Sydney. Like it's 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 no longer just a coincidence or, or unlucky, and you know there's there's a lot of ramifications from this. There, there's the lost revenue for Cricket Australia. There's the fact that it actually impacts the game, and you know I think the last three SCG games have been draws, or last three SCG tests have been draws. Um, you know, it, it hurts the broadcaster. Um, it hurts the fans. Um, you know, day three was a complete washout, which which is just a gutting for all involved. Um, and if that can be avoided, you kind it's your responsibility um, as an official to kind of look at it. I would have thought as, as painful as that says that is for me as Sydney, because I love that first week of January. It's my favorite week of the year. I love the SCG test. I love going to it. But uh, if I go to it I kind of want to watch cricket so even I'm starting to feel like maybe the timing isn't quite right. I'm trying to find I saw a stat of
0: the amount of lost days I can't remember the from when the start 25. is from but it's 25 lost days and of Test cricket since I forget since when um, but the next worst was I think eight, which yeah. I think was Melbourne Melbourne yeah. not Brisbane.
1: Yep. Um, I think Perth was zero and Hobart was one, I think, or something like I that. I mean, Hobart doesn't really count, but yeah. Because <laughs> you don't get any test here. No, um,
0: but the, I also found it funny that because I've been in Sydney since December 15th, and I'm pretty sure day two or whatever was like the first day it rained the entire time I've been here. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean that's what I mean. We have fantastic weather before and after. It's I don't know what it is. It's just that January. I mean, to be fair, the weather's been shit all year in Sydney, but it has been shit in everywhere in Australia because of certain factors. But yeah, it's we're going on now some seven years of that first week being a nightmare um, from, from a weather perspective. And it's just frustrating for all involved. So I don't think they'll move it. I, I think they'll feel like it's maybe slightly too reactionary. But, you know, the other bigger issue is that day three is traditionally the Jay McGrath day. Yep. And I'm sure the, the money raised for the Jay McGrath money has, it has been – sorry, the Jay McGrath day has been down because of the rain. That was the day that they lost altogether. Yeah. Um, as much as there's still some people at the ground. And I know they moved it to day four, but still, it's, you know, I, I imagine there's what I'm trying to say. There's a lot of um, ramifications and a lot of victims without sounding too melodramatic of the rain. And if there's something they can do, you're kind of nuts not to look at it, but I, I bet you nothing happens. I oh, know it won't, but
0: I, I, the only times I've ever been, oh, i found the stat, but the only times I've ever been to the, Sydney test was day. I only ever go for day three and I think I've been three times now. I didn't go this year, but I think I've been three times now and it's been heavily rain affected all three days. Um, I think, yeah, it's just all time. So Sydney's lost 25 days out of 110 tests. Melbourne have lost nine days out of 115 Brisbane, eight days out of 67 Adelaide, two days out of 81 Hobart one out of 14 and Perth has never lost a day in 47 tests. Wow, that's incredible
1: <laughs> so we'll just play all five tests at Perth is what you're saying
0: well we wouldn't have to pick more than one spinner
1: <laughs> what did we pick it more than one
0: spinner for the last test Are you sure well let's before we get to that <laughs> one last thing about Sydney I think at some point people realized the game was going to be a draw so there was a lot of public momentum to for Pat to just not declare and let Was get his 200 before declaring, but I mean, he's never going to do that because he wants to win the game by any means possible. And Usman seems like the guy that is very, very team first from what we've seen in the media and in the test and just his general persona. But I couldn't believe the like legitimate criticism I was seeing floating around of like, oh, this is just Pat's losing the team. You know, climate change, Pat doesn't want to give us his moment in the sun, you know, all this sort of nonsense.
1: Oh, it's stupid. He, he was trying to win the test. And I dare say if a couple of those LB decisions that went to DRS, if a couple of those catches were held, a few other unlucky pieces, we're only two or three wickets away from really putting pressure on South Africa and maybe pulling off a miracle win, to be honest. So a lot of luck didn't go Australia's way on that last day. But, you know, Pat Carman's job is to win test matches. Um, and the criticism was crazy. Um, I, I can understand where it's coming from, but, you know, Uzi is an established... 36-year-old cricketer who has had a fantastic year. Um, you know, he's under no threat um, to lose his position in the side. So you're not fucking around with his career, which is some of the criticism I saw. Well, well, you say that, but. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, if you score 195. To be then... fair, Lang is not coaching anymore. So, yeah, I think you're probably right. <laughs> but it's, just, it's we're not dealing with someone who's on the cusp uh, or, or, or hasn't has scored uh, hundreds. I, I think Pat Cummins made the right decision to go for the win. Um, and. Uzi kind of let him off the hook from media reports that Uzzy went and spoke to him. We saw he was struggling with the decision to make and Uzzy said, hey, mate, just do what's right for the team. Don't worry about me. So to your point, you know, Uzi was a team first guy. Uzzy himself, I think might have said if he was 25 and 26 and maybe had only scored 100 or not, hadn't scored 100 at all, that probably would mean more to him and maybe it was more important. But I think... Given where we are, I think this is just people looking for an excuse to have a go at Pat, who's suddenly, out of nowhere, become a polarising figure, which is kind of weird to me, but <laughs> here you go.
0: Okay, now you did snarkly you mentioned two spinners, so do you want to have a moment
1: to run at Ashton Oh, don't set me off, Ben. I, 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 don't I, start me, rabbits. It staggers me that the Australian selectors could pick someone whose shield average or first-class bowling average is 41 and somehow expect him to be better at test level. I, I, it just blows my mind that we think Agar is a frontline spinner. He's he's just not in any way, shape, or form. He's taken one shield wicket this year. He's never been a, a prolific turner of the ball. Um, he doesn't really hold down an end and maybe not take wickets, but he's really, really, you know, misling with it, with, with how he uh can see his runs. I just, I I thought it was a shocking selection and it's been compounded by now taking him to India as well. I just, I I don't understand the Ashton Agar love affair from a bowling perspective because he's not a bad bat, but you know, the old adage of a good all rounder can hold his spot in the team, either as a top four bowler or a top six batsman. He can't do either of those things. So for me, he's not an all rounder. Are, are,
0: Are you telling me that the 22 overs he bowled for 58 runs and zero wickets was a waste
1: of a spot? (laughs) I certainly am. And uh, yeah, I mean, I actually found a couple of the selections baffling. I wasn't really sure why they went with Renshaw. Uh, It's nothing as Renshaw at all, who I actually think is a quality bat, but I'm just not really sure what the the strategy or the tactic was. I think Kerry was coming off a hundred. So he definitely could have batted up at six and we could have kind of carried another bowler in that regard. I, I wasn't really sure what they were looking at. People kept saying they wanted to have a look at Renshaw before India. Like as what as a spare opener in case Warner drops over there, if, if I can kind of see a logic there, um, but in a dead rubber, I think I would have been a little bit more adventurous against the side that was struggling to score runs. I, I would have had a look at a couple of the young bowlers, or, or you know that they've just picked Murphy for the for the um, Indian tour, so clearly he was on the radar. What a perfect time to put him in in a no pressure situation. I, I just. It baffles me. The Agar selection really baffled me, and he did little to back up that bafflement. I've just made up a word, but he did little to back that up with his performance as well. And we gave him the new ball in the second innings. Like, what the hell are we doing?
0: Well, yeah, because I didn't have enough seamers. (laughs) So so you would have given Lance Morris a baggy green.
1: Um. (laughs)
0: Yeah, I've called you out, haven't I?
1: No, I I don't know if I would have. A lot of people were kind of curious to see him. Uh, But all the reports leading into that Sydney test is that it was going to be an old school SCG Turner. Like it was going to be from 15 years ago when we were picking McGill and Warren. Uh, And a lot of the people said if it didn't rain, that's exactly how it would have turned out. So I didn't necessarily have an issue with going with two quicks and I would, uh, with two spinners. Um, But I wouldn't have picked Morris, to be honest, mate. Um, And you wouldn't have picked Agar as that second spinner. (laughs) No, I, I definitely would have. I mean, I mean, it's pretty unlucky that Glenn Maxwell broke his leg when he did because I think he may have got that all-rounder spot that went to, to Agar. Um, but I would have had a look at Murphy, and I definitely would have picked another quick, and it would have been Bowen because he's done very little to, to get dropped. He's done very little wrong to get dropped. Um, and I think we could have carried an extra bowler because, you know, they were, South Africa weren't putting enough pressure on us with the runs that they were scoring. So we definitely could have moved Kerry up to six, and that I would have gone with Kerry at six, then picked Boland, and then had a look at Murphy, is what I would have done. Well, we've kind of morphed to discussion, so we'll
0: just move on to a look ahead to the Indian tour coming up. Uh, you mentioned Glenn Maxwell, and I heard him talking on the because he's obviously on the Fox coverage of the BBL, and I heard him talking the other night about how you know about his recovery, and he was hoping to get a look in. I think in probably a perfect world uh, to that India tour. Obviously that hasn't happened, yep. but I think you're suggesting then that if he obviously hadn't broken his leg, he'd at least be on the plane.
1: I think so. I think he, he I think he scored a hundred last time. He was in India, if I'm not mistaken. I, I definitely know that the hundred that he's got at test level came on the subcontinent. Um, he's a pretty good player of spin and he just does give you that um, off spin or extra spin option from a bowling perspective and you know we don't need to talk about his fielding he's probably one of the best fielders in the world so i definitely think he would have been in that squad um because he offers a lot um but yeah just the unluckiest 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 time to to break your leg for poor old big show yeah i'm just i finally managed
0: to navigate the uh creek info maze and I've got the current shield stats up in front of me. So if we go through the other batsmen in the squad, obviously you've got all the usual suspects there. You've got, you know, Kiery is the keeper batsman head, Kowaja Manas, uh, Renshaw, Smith, Warner, but then you've got, sorry, Renshaw, like you said, is kind of the the spare man once you have a look at him. And Peter Hanskin gets yep. a recall after I don't know how long, but, has the most runs in shield cricket this season by a pretty handy margin. Couple of hundreds, including a double averaging over 80 at a strike rate of over 65. So, I mean, there's probably a world there and we all know how good a player of spin he is. And with the Indian dust bowls, a fair chance he gets another test.
1: Yeah. I was about to say his, his questions over him at test level about his technique and that strange kind of technique he has, but it's only really brought him undone against quicks and, and faster bowling. He still remains a pretty good bo- player of spin, and considering he's in good form, he's scoring runs for Victoria, um, and he plays spin well. I, I think that's a pretty sensible, smart selection by the by the selectors for mine. Oh, clip that audio. That's rare. <laughs> a, a rare congratulatory comment from the selectors. Um. An interesting name
0: is second on the shield run scoring charts, though Cameron Bancroft.
1: Is that right? What's the yeah. average?
0: Uh, he's got four eighty-three runs, average of fifty-three three uh, hundreds.
1: Well, three hundreds is
0: nothing to sneeze at. That's pretty good. Um, but th- I, obviously, I think the issue, and I, I mean, look, it's probably an issue with Hanscom, too. But if he's got three hundreds, he's only got four hundred eighty runs in ten innings. Then what's he done the other <laughs> seven innings? Well, it's good enough for David Warner to get man in the series. So. <laughs> True. I, but, I mean, like looking at it like that's kind of flawed. The point is he's got 300s, but there's probably not really much of an avenue for Bancroft to ever play Test cricket again, not even just because of the, this, the ball tampering, because I think he was pretty, like,
1: not wrong place, wrong time, but. As far as well, I mean, involvement. He has, he has played a test since Sandpaper Gate. I think they brought him back in in England, was it? Maybe? Yeah. So- and he kind of flopped. <laughs> yeah. yeah, sure. um,
0: But I think he's one of those guys who's just going to end up being, like, doesn't matter what he does at shield level, he's just cards marked.
1: Yeah. Fair enough.
0: Which is a bit of a shame for him. But I'm not going to lose too much sleep over it. No, neither am um, I. <laughs> I'm trying to find Ren. Oh, here we go. I found Renshaw. Okay, so Renshaw's got three hundred and ten runs this Shield season, but he's also got his top score is two hundred. So yes. he's got he's got a hundred and ten runs in seven innings.
1: Not much else.
0: <laughs> nah, it's a two hundred not out too, so that really helps the average. <laughs> yeah, it's the Warner conundrum they call it. Well, that's why he's the best batsman in the country. <laughs> But like in all seriousness, is there anyone you would have picked ahead of Renshaw? Like there's not really jumping out at me on this list.
1: No, not really. Um it's 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 I think you know, if you've got the top six that we have, I assume that you know, Green's been picked, but he may not be right for the first test. So nah. um, you know, Renshaw batted six last test, didn't get out. <laughs> so you can't drop him. Uh and then Hanscom is a good player spin. I I don't have an issue with that kind of batting selection lineup. No, nah, I mean you got
0: other guys like you know Tim Ward from Tasmania's third on the shield charts. You got you know Sam Whiteman who's been around forever. Hilton Cartwright, that'd be an absolute long shot to get another test out of him. But yeah, there's not much. I mean, the, also the forgotten man, Curtis Patterson, but you know, I don't think he's ever gonna <laughs> with that was an absolute right place, right time.
1: Get yeah. that one test for him. Mr. Sri Lanka at Monica Oval in Canberra, I think. And what do you get? What, got hundred. 160? No. No, nah, he, he got a hundred he got a 30
0: and then 114, I think it was. Yeah, right. There's some absolute enough knowledge. <laughs> enough knowledge. I love it. Should name that the podcast. <laughs> I didn't know it was man of the series, so it's not that enough. Oh god. Um, I'll tell you what, who I was surprised didn't get picked. Marcus Harris. <laughs>
1: I'm not a Marcus Harris fan, like, at all. I just can't understand how he's the spare batsman for two tests. Then the third test, when someone gets injured, he gets completely leapfrogged. And then when a a, an, a, a tour squad is announced, he's not even the spare spare batsman. Um, now, I wouldn't have picked him in the first place, but you've got to be asking, what am I doing wrong here? I'm the, I'm the 12th man or whatever. on the on the next Cavalier rank from a batting perspective for tests. You know, I think the Windy's test as well, if I'm not mistaken. Then there's an injury. To, and then Renshaw leapfrogs him. Like, uh, I don't really understand. Well, well, Renshaw bowls handy off spin. You've got to remember that. Yeah, yeah, very <laughs> um so, no, I, I, so, yeah, I mean, it doesn't bother me because I don't rate Marcus Harris, but it's no, it weird. I, I agree. I don't rate him either. I've
0: never have, but I, well, I used to. That's probably unfair. But I agree that as a process, it's probably... Not 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 a not only just you know confusing from a outsider's point of view, but I'm sure even internally there's got to be not just him, but other guys that are kind of in that same boat, looking at that and going, well, what's well, what's the point of being around the test squad if like I'm not even going to get the shot at the opportunity when yeah. the next guy comes, like when so- when there's a chance for me because yeah. I'm sure it's happened in the past. Um, yeah, I think Scott Bolin probably a different story because he was just kind of a random elevation and we probably shouldn't have released the audio of us denouncing that pick because we look <laughs> really stupid. <laughs> yeah, that one can make bite us on the bum. That's okay. No one listens. It's fine. <laughs> but yeah, like process-wise, I just, I don't understand what the actual criteria is unless they just, you know, Harris... Just has no value to anyone else. Maybe he's not got a BBL
1: contract, so they're like, Oh, you can just hang around with us. For well, a couple maybe, maybe he pours a mean glass of water, and maybe they're just like, You know, we have to have him in the squad at 12th man, but i he, so, he, he mixes and he mixes a mean cordial.
0: <laughs> what he's just so unnotable that he won't cause a, a kerfuffle when he goes to Baker's Delight to get the cheese and bacon rolls. <laughs> and maybe they heard his one sledge of. Who was it? Some Indian batsman. He said there's good circuit in Perth. I forget who it was, but he, I think it might have been Rishabh Pant. And then that's marked him. He's good around the board. He's good around the squad. You know, yeah, It's like that thing. classic state of origin. He's just a good fella to have in camp. <laughs> good trainer. But he must he's the Clint Gutherson of Australian cricket. <laughs> I figured I figured it out. Oh God. There's a nice crossover analogy for all our
1: rugby league fans out there.
0: Because, no, hear me out. Because the people that matter, namely uh analysts and the selectors, think he's good, and all the fans think he's rubbish. Yeah. And as ever, the fans are right. Yes, always. <laughs> uh bowling-wise for this squad, there's probably a few question marks in the pace stocks. Obviously, Stark with his uh was it Stark and Green both had finger? They were both fingers, right? Yep. Yep. Yeah. Um, I haven't seen any news about their availabilities. They've both been named, so there's probably hope for them. But you know, at one at what point with Mitchell Stark do you just go? You know what? It's not worth it. Just have a break. I think
1: the last thing I read is that they're both probably very unlikely to play in the first test but they might both be right by the second test. And is it a four-test series from memory? So I, I think given yeah, I think the, so. the length of that tour, I don't necessarily have an issue with them both going. Um, but, yeah, it, you definitely. I don't know if you'd want to be picking both of them is the problem in that second test. So you got two players coming back from a finger injury. You wouldn't hate to lose one and be down a player – Early, um, if you bring them back too early. So yeah, I, I don't have an issue with both of them being in the squad. I think they've picked a, a pretty good squad and a fairly deep squad. It's 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 a it's a longer or sorry, it's a deeper squad than we normally take. Um, Eighteen, yeah, yeah. But part of that is obviously it's poor test, but also the need for maybe a bit more extra spinning depth. Um, but no, I, I don't have an issue with with them picking Stark in the squad. Um, I think you know we may need him.
0: The thing is though. Obviously, you mentioned before with the, obviously, Stark and Green missing how you would have gone five bowlers and just batted Kerry at six. Would you run that risk in India?
1: Uh, No, I think we're going to need the runs in India, to be honest. Um, I think, you know, Warner does not have a great record on the subcontinent. Um, Kwasa is a very good player of spin. Has Labashain to it over there? I think he has just once. Steve Smith's obviously great. Travis Head's not fantastic away from home. Um, he certainly doesn't score as um, highly as he does at home on our hard decks with the ball coming onto the bat. So And um, think- Alex Carey fell into a pool last time. He was in the subcontinent, so... <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty funny footage though. So I yeah, I, I I'm not sure we could afford that unless we were gonna go with a pretty accomplished all-round like a Maxwell or something. Well, he's not that accomplished at test level, but you know, if there's someone coming at seven and eight that still bolsters that batting but doesn't take away too much from the bowling, maybe. But I'd be wary about pushing Kerry up to six unless the the, the guy, the two, at least the two behind him can score some runs as well. Cause Carey won't have gone. Well, what's Kerry's record over there? I can't imagine it's too flash either. Uh Yeah, I I don't know.
0: Um, But is there an avenue then to maybe they just go two pace, two spin at bat handskin at six?
1: Yeah, possibly, possibly. Uh, I mean, uh, at least they've got options now. Um, The the question is, who's that second spinner going to be if you go two and two? Because I, I don't think Agar's up to it. Murphy hasn't debuted. He's only played a handful of shield games. And Swipson hasn't really knocked down the door, hasn't. Set test cricket alight when he's been given a chance either, so it's it's not like we got a McGill as the second best spinner in Australia when we had you know our heyday of leg spinners. So I don't know is it, the honest answer what what they'll do, um, but at least we've got options. In, in that vein, then, because you hear
0: again referring to BBL broadcast, Adam Zampa talking about his still uh, existing but maybe fading red ball aspirations. I think he played his first shield game for New South Wales in God knows how long recently. Yeah. But I guess the question is there, would you have taken him over to India?
1: I mean, over Agar, yes. Um, I know he doesn't have the reps from a first-class point of view and and a shitload of overs. Um, But, yeah, I would have. I definitely would have taken Zamper over Agar at least. And to Um, answer your Kerry question, in Asia he's got
0: uh, 268 runs at 53. Yeah, right. Okay. Over six innings, so you know, not bad. Horrific, no. It's you know, could be worse, but I think there there's an avenue for a bunch of different ways they could go about. I I feel like the
1: selectors are going to go with Agar. Yeah, I I think the Sydney Test probably showed their hand. Um, they were hopeful it was going to be a spinning deck as you know as close to what india would pre- prepare for them so i think you know they gave their kind of hand away of what they're anticipating they'll do the question is just whether he're unimpressed to such a level that they maybe think again yeah and i mean at least you know
0: depending on who they do go with that second spinner yeah Swepson's probably been considered the number 2 in australia for a while now yeah. whether he's like, he's never really got the chance to prove that at a, a, an international level or a test level, um, Agar, I've always thought at this point in his career, is more of a white ball specialist, anyway. He's
1: a, he's a part time specialist,
0: <laughs> and um, you know, Todd Murphy's a complete unknown, but he at least he's got pretty good shield stats this season 14 wickets at 17. So, if there was ever a time to, you know, maybe we do have the next McGill.
1: Well, I mean, that's why I would have played him in Sydney. Like the the South African batting lineup didn't really pose much of a threat. It was a dead rubber. It was meant to be a turning wicket. Um, I think all the ingredients were there to blood someone with no pressure whatsoever. And if he wasn't up to it, then you've lost nothing at all. And you know what you got heading into India. I, I just, I think it was a perfect opportunity to blood someone in, in a fairly low risk um, situation. Um and we kind of missed an opportunity to kind of have a look at, at, at someone who's, you know, young and got some runs on the board. And the other thing is, you know, the best judges of cricketers are cricketers, and he comes from pretty high praise from some of the players that have played with and against him. Yep. Uh, so, you know, that that's always something I think you need to listen and analyse. When, when current players are saying this guy's the goods, that's a pretty good tick for you, I would assume. Yeah. I'm just reading
0: some stuff about Agar now. Uh, quote from George Bailey, Ashton Agar continues to impress following his comeback in Sydney and we believe left arm fingerspin will play an important role in Indian conditions. And then the article goes on to say that Australia were rousted by left arm finger spinner Prabhath Dryasaria during their most recent test in Asia last July. He obviously, he got 12 wickets on debut in that test. And then if you go back to our last tour of India in 2017... Uh, Stephen O'Keefe played all four tests that series with Lyon and they both got 19 wickets each. I think the, the key missing part of that entire, what I've just said, is that both Jai Surya and Stephen O'Keefe are much better spinners. Than-
1: yeah, I mean, it reminds me of those years ago when everyone was picking a leg spinner because we had Shane Warren. It's like, yeah, but we've got Shane Warren. <laughs> it's not just you, you pick a leg spinner because... Um, you know, you think you need one because Australia's got one. It's like, no, we've got a great one. You, you, it's like when everyone's picking four quicks when they didn't have, when the Windies were dominating, um, when everyone was picking an all rounder because Flintoff is doing well. It's like, no, you've got to have the talent in the first it, place. It's, it's, it, there's a very, maybe
0: more so in cricket than any other sport, there's a huge mimic culture. Yes. Because yeah. everyone since Flintoff has been searching for that all rounder.
1: Yep. Yeah, it's you've got to have the cattle, not just the um the intent. <laughs> but I mean, other than that, I think
0: we've covered everything that I've got on my little sheet here. I did ask if there were any questions. The only question I got was from Reese, and he just asks, "Why is Ashton Agar?" So, <laughs>
1: <laughs> so what? Finish that sentence.
0: That that, that why is Ashton Agar? That is the that is the question. <laughs>
1: Why Agar? Yeah, that I means a fair question. I don't know the answer. Why is Ashton Agar? Yeah. <laughs> no, no one knows. Ask George Bailey. Uh, you got anything to promote before we let you go? No, I don't do anything anymore. I'm lazy. I just uh I retweet you. That's about it. Well, that's a lie. Yeah, it is a lie. <laughs> <laughs> can't even can't even do that.
0: Uh no, nothing for me to promote. Thank you, mate. All right. If we score fifteen runs like the Sydney Thunder in the first test, maybe we'll get you back. Perfect. All
1: right.